are now tuned into Talk That Talk Uncensored with Joyce and Britt. This episode is sponsored by Solstice Beauty. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss current events, social issues, and everything in between. Now let's start the show. Hey guys, so in honor of National Hispanic Heritage Month that just kicked off September 15th, we are going to be spotlighting a couple of influential Latino figures. So each episode before our episode starts. So starting with this one and the muse that we want to spotlight this week is Dolores Huerta. So we're going to tell you a little bit about her. And then after that, you know, feel free to do your own research. Just enjoy this little bit of history. So Dolores Huerta. While teaching grammar school, Dolores noticed that many of her students showed up to class ill or malnourished. Her students' strife inspired her to begin her lifelong crusade of correcting economic injustice. In 1962, the union leader and activist co-founded the first successful farm workers union in the United States, calling it the United Farm Workers. Since then, Huerta has played a critical role in many of the union's accomplishments, often risking her own life to ensure farmers' rights. In addition to receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2012, Huerta has become an icon in Latino community where her phrase, Si se puede, is a popular rallying cry for thousands across the U.S. And I know that every time that I have either protested or gone to like any like immigration lobby in D.C. or anywhere, um, that is the chant that is used during the process like si se puede, yes we can. So Dolores, we are honoring you in this teacher's edition of Talk That Talk Uncensored. So in this teacher's edition of Talk That Talk Uncensored, we have two very special guests here with us. We have Ms. Michelle Lambert, who is a fifth grade teacher in the Baltimore City Public Schools, and Ms. Brittany Sibley, who is a pre-kindergarten teacher based in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So in this episode, we want to talk about the current climate in that which is virtual learning, um, having to transition from the traditional classroom to online learning. So we want to give you guys insight on that and some very good tips for parents as well as teachers on how to navigate this space. So in this episode, we have two segments. In the first segment, we'll be speaking to Michelle Lambert, who focuses on elementary education. And in the second segment, we'll be talking to Brittany Sibley, who focuses on early childhood education. So our first guest is Michelle Lambert, and this is her sixth year teaching in Baltimore City Public Schools. She recently received her master's in elementary education from John Hopkins University. She has taught all subjects in both first and fifth grade, and she truly loves what she does. So welcome, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Happy to be here. We're super excited to get started because I feel like now more than ever, we definitely need to talk about virtual learning, the pros, the cons, the advantages, and ways that we can basically help each other out, you know? Right. Whether you have somebody, whether you have kids that are going through it, we all know somebody that is and in some capacity, you know, doing virtual learning so we could all be of help. Most definitely. Yeah, Michelle, uh, can you go ahead and tell us about yourself and your experience with teaching overall? Okay, so um, as Joyce said, I am in my sixth year of teaching, um, specifically in Baltimore City. Um, My experience teaching, I guess I could just dive in a little bit into like why I taught. So I went to Baltimore City Public Schools and I just saw 
as a student, you know, you see so many things, like you just see so many things that are like wrong when it comes to teaching. And um, especially in Baltimore City, I felt like a lot of students had a lot of potential, but um, teachers didn't always tap into that potential. And I mean, we all are familiar with bad teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't want to be one of those people. Um, I saw the value in like building relationships with children, especially young children who need some sort of guidance. And I felt like teaching was a great way for me to be able to build those relationships and kind of like build the future, if you will. So yeah, yeah. just a little bit about why I do what I do, where I do it. I love that. Cool. Yeah. And can you tell us about your experience with like dealing with parents as well? Mm -hmm. as a teacher so. <laughs> I mean if I if I were to be 100% honest that's still probably my least favorite part of teaching mm -hmm. um, I love children I love building relationships with them um, and anytime I have a student who's like problematic um, or you know as people say bad I'm like I usually meet the parent and I see exactly why um, and mm -hmm. <laughs> those parents end up being very difficult. Um, and a lot of the times they make assumptions. There's a lot of assumptions of, oh, you don't do your job. Oh, you don't do your job right. Oh, you're abusing my child. You're doing this to my child. Oh, you're calling my child a liar. First of mm -hmm. all, your child lies. That's, that's just flat out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? There's no disrespect, but like, that's just what they do. It's part of their development. And so mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's really so I just make it my responsibility, first of all, to not take anything personally, just because it's like, you know, a lot of these parents have their reasons for acting the way they act. Um, it's just yeah. more so for me making it clear that I'm not the enemy. I'm here to help. I'm like, we're going to deal with each other all this school year anyway, so we might as well get along. Um, and right. just always kind of being like very like monotone, calm, like, and just leave it at that. I mean, obviously it's like, be respectful as well. Like, don't talk to me crazy, please. Like, I was. <laughs> appreciate that but um I don't come across that too often anymore especially in the beginning when you kind of like uh make your expectations clear and make your purpose mm -hmm. known um a lot of the time they don't end up coming at you crazy mm. right and I think like in terms of parent teacher relationships if they look at it as like a team as opposed to like it's me against you or you against my child or me against or my child you know yeah right or it's your job to raise my kid um mm -hmm. I think we'd be better off I 100% you know. agree. And I mean, even, yeah, just establishing there's a difference between being a parent and being a teacher. And it's okay. In Baltimore City. So can you just to have, I know we're doing virtual learning now, or the kids are. Prior to that, what things were you made more aware of too that you had to be conscious of that the kids were coming into with these types of things? Because I feel like um, even just from our conversations, like I do know that you're very much trying to be more aware of their lives. And I always feel like that as a teacher makes so much more of a difference, you know, mm -hmm. versus just being like, this is my nine to five, you know, I'm here to teach and blah, blah, blah. So can you talk right. to me? That's I mean, so it's crazy. Like, I really feel like I have learned so much just from the children alone over the years. Like, I mean, even something as small as just making assumptions. Like um, I saw a thread recently that was like, you know, um, parents get upset when teachers say mom and dad just because like every child doesn't have mom and dad at home they may have mm. mom and mom dad and dad they may right. have and uncle wow, grandma yeah. and it's just those small things um you know it kind of even though it's like you don't mean it it's just like it still ends up excluding mm. um yes like honestly it's just I'm at a point now where it's like I can't go in assuming anything I have to assume nothing I can't assume 
that you can identify your name, even if you're in fifth grade. That's not fair for me to assume that of you. I can't assume that you can read this whole paragraph. I can't assume you even know how to hold a pencil. And mm. so it's like when I, I, that's kind of the mindset that I had to shift to in order to just kind of accommodate everything. Cause it's like, rather than just like making a mental list of like, oh, this child needs this. Oh, this child doesn't know that. It's like, look, I'm assuming nothing. Like the only thing I know about you is what you tell me about you. Yeah. And, and it's just, it makes it, I feel like it leaves room for a relationship to build from there. Because it's like, if I go in making assumptions, then it's like, I don't even give that child space to tell me who they are, because I'm, I'm busy assuming who they are. Yeah. And so when, right. you, when you leave the room for that, you're really able to build a healthy relationship. I'm um, a relationship that, you know, it's like, it's, it's on their terms. It's like, I'm, on, I'm just a teacher. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you tell me as much as you feel comfortable telling me. Um, and, you know, and vice versa. If you don't want to tell me nothing, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah. But it's just, just yeah. know I'm here for you. I'm here to help you learn. If there's something you don't know, it's literally my job to make sure you know. And so just constantly reminding them um, things like even like last names, like, you know, you can't make any assumptions about like the child's last name versus the mother's last name and the father's last name. Um, and just like, you know, just small things like that um, can really make a big difference over time. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I could go like on and on about so many different things, but it's just like going and assuming nothing um, really mm -hmm. just leaves room for like the best of intentions. If you will. I love that. Yeah, and I, do, and I do feel like, wow, if we took that lesson and just and applied it in like, you know, Every outside aspect of, the of life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, and that's, that's why I like children. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's so true though, because even mm -hmm. like the previous episode when we're talking about race or identity, it's the same thing, right? Assume nothing. That way, you can learn. <laughs> you like, know? Yeah. that's it. Like, I I have to trust that you're telling me the truth like I'm not trust. I'm not going to sit here and assume are you telling me this oh you you're a liar like why would I do that, that yeah. means, <laughs> that's automatically like a fight so yeah, yeah. right awesome. but like you said like all of us are living in our own you know spaces and different worlds so when mm -hmm. we project that onto people then they're kind of like what uh, I'm not familiar with that you know and then you get thrown off so, and then it's just like yeah uh -huh. the response might be ugly <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. then, then you, have to, you have to deal with that Right. Yeah. For perspective, you were teaching um, back in March, right? When mm -hmm. the whole pandemic, talk about that experience and like how it shifted. Yeah. So um, initially, you know, when you're in person, it's just like, look, eventually your parents are going to come to the school. So I'll probably find them, talk to them, whatever, whatever. Um, and then shifting to being online, there were just so many bar barriers that were there in that so many students didn't have a device or some of them didn't have internet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of families, um, phone numbers change regularly. So whatever is in the system, like, is not up to date. So we really, I want to say, we were able to get in contact with maybe about 75% of our students for the rest of the year. But it's like, even that communication we had wasn't consistent. Um, mm -hmm. So we really, really had to lower our expectations for the end of last school year. Mm -hmm. um, just because it really wouldn't have been fair to hold students accountable for like an unprecedented situation. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I mean, you know, we're months in now, many more people have gotten devices. 
Um, and now a lot more families are responsive where it's like, like it's a new school year you have a whole new teacher. We don't know them like that. We definitely have to like, you know, start fresh. And like, I would say that the response so far has been like really, really great. Um, given the certain circumstances that a lot of students have to face. Um, like even the city's been giving out like hotspots for people who don't have internet. They've been able to give up more devices. Um, so now I'm able to actually utilize the online platforms that are available, like Class Dojo. I don't know if you all know that one. So that's like a no. <laughs> so, <laughs> as soon as your friends have kids in school, you you don't know Class Dojo. So <laughs> <laughs> Class Dojo is just like um, an online platform for school communities where you can like post announcements, um, share private messages. So um, we've been able to get a lot of our families onto class dojo and kind of post announcements through there and communicate with families through there i'm at a point now where i'm just like look here's my personal phone number back in the day it was like you know you only give your google voice number you know like a i don't know yeah yeah like, don't show your personal information i'm like no one has time for that yeah I have, children, <laughs> I have children calling me all the time like my lunch break i had one boy call me three <laughs> times just to ask me <laughs> Just to ask me to make sure he was in the room he was supposed to be in in the next Aww. five minutes. I was like, yeah, like, you're fine. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like to be able to be a resource for children in that way, though. I mean, I feel like it's just really re rewarding. So like a lot of the time people feel like it's exhausting, but I feel like there are certain things that you can set up and have in place that it doesn't really feel exhausting and like communicate in an effective way and give them the resources that they need. Where it's like you're only contacting me if there's a problem like for the most part i'm giving you mm -hmm. everything you need and like it'll be okay now question michelle do you feel more connected now with the virtual learning because it what seems now that the kids have like direct access to you so do you feel more connected to the students and their parents now or not so much so students i feel like that's inevitable just because like we're in the class together for hours at a time but parents definitely more um very much so more than I am at this point in the year you know a lot of parents it's like you know drop your child off pick them up at, at the end of the day and like that's that until yeah. like December yeah. um but yeah I've definitely been in contact with more parents just because like you know they are trying to support their child and therefore they end up contacting me more um but it's like uh the parents I've had though like they've been really great um and so I'm really happy that I don't know, I, I'm thinking about the past and like a parent who I had trouble with in the past. And I'm like, I must have been doing something to like not make them feel comfortable. But I'm happy now that like, I must be giving off some sort of energy to just like make them feel comfortable um, and confident in like communicating with me in a certain kind of way. That mm -hmm. um, I'm happy that I can build a healthy relationship with parents just because like being able to build a healthy relationship with a parent, like is, it will like take their child exponentially further than like a mm. negative relationship. So yeah, for yeah, sure. definitely closer with parents at this point in the year. So what advice or what would you tell um, parents? Um, like how can they create a more productive environment for their kids? Oh, okay. So 100% like if they can establish a, a learning space, um, I feel like, especially with my fifth graders, you know, they're 10, they're relatively independent. They could do most things for themselves. And then you have some parents, though, who are almost too trusting and this like, all right, you got your device, I'm going to work. And it's like, mm, like, maybe we should establish like a, a learning corner, a desk space that like, this is where your learning happens. Put, don't put, you know, take off your pajamas, put on real clothes and like, go sit mm -hmm. at this desk and do your work. Um, and kind of like, 
going over the rules and expectations with their child in person just because doing it as a teacher over um over you know a camera isn't it's not the same as like that it being in person and I feel like if parents were just kind of able to establish like what a good workspace is why it's important I mean I feel like that goes for anyone doing anything virtual right it's like look this is my desk space this is the work this is a place where I get my work done it's like if we did us did this in bed it wouldn't be the same thing right just if they were able to explain that to their child and the importance of it I think that would definitely help their children to take this whole thing more seriously just because I feel like when you're you're like oh I'm home this is like a snow day and it's like "Mm, not quite not so much yeah. yeah yeah and I think here in the Virgin Islands there were there was a lot of chatter online and parents complaining about why they have to purchase school uniforms and I'm like well guys even though they're home you know they're still at school so even if they just have a shirt on you know and yeah. some some comfortable pants like you feel like you're at school and then you're unified with the other kids that are online with you well in the you know in Maryland I'm not sure if all the schools have uniforms but here in the islands all of the schools have uniforms so Right. Yeah. I mean, the schools here have uniforms. And then that's a whole other thing where I'm like, look, I don't even care about your uniform. Just don't come up here on here naked. Like, that's it. Like, like, just. (laughs) I just know if I'm wearing my pajamas doing something, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be invested. Yes. So. <laughs> and right. I think it's like structure, right? So like it's even when, when you're working from home, like us as like professionals, like it's a different, I know people always say too, like, you know, I'm looking like this in a Zoom meeting and like from head, but still like you have to put your effort because here's the, and I feel like especially for kids is going to be so important is that eventually you're going back to school, you know, and you don't want to get so used to something because especially when they're young, like that's Mm -hmm. so used to just be like, why? Like now I have to get up and put clothes on. Like why? Right. You know, I was doing this for a year or over a year. Who knows, you know, how long this is going to last. So like keeping that routine is important. Right. Exactly. exactly. Michelle, do they, um, how about the cameras? Are they on or off? Um, it's their choice. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, it's their choice. So um, some of them have it on, some of them have it off. Um, but I was actually thinking about like, if and when we do go back in person, those ones who always have their cameras off, I'm like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I'm, I can't put a face to your name right now. So it's kind of like throwing yeah. me a little bit. But oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. It's fine. It's fine. So what are the benefits of online slash virtual learning? Okay, so first of all, it's just like, the use of technology, right? So we're in a world mm-hmm. that's a lot more technologically advanced. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in using it. Some people are like, oh, technology's bad, blah, 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 blah. And so therefore they're like, I don't want to use a phone. I don't want to use the internet or email, blah, blah, blah. However, that's just the world we're getting ready to live in. And I'm really happy that our students who in any other situation wouldn't have these resources available. Um, like just simply like, being able to sit up and type. So many children only have access to, to internet through like a phone where it's like, you know, when you're typing like this, it's not the same as sitting up and typing on the internet. And a lot of the time, like standardized tests and things like that are done on a computer. And so it's like, if someone doesn't even have the skill of having, knowing how to like click and point or point, point and click or type and um, properly type a paragraph and things like that, we have so many children who are left at a disadvantage and end up scoring a lot lower on these assessments simply because they don't have the exposure. 
So I'm really happy that children are gaining the exposure and it kind of levels the playing field a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Also on the teacher end, like I don't have to carry around papers all day everywhere. And I don't have <laughs> yeah. to like, you know, go through and grade like and physically manually move and then put it in my laptop. It's like, look, everything I have is in this one device. I can just go through and grade it, type my comments, type as much or as little as I want. Um, and then finally also is accountability on both ends, right? So it's like, if a child gives me something that it's like, say their classwork, first of all, it's like keeping track of students' work is a lot. And so it's like, sometimes it's really hard to express to a parent that their child isn't holding up their end of the bargain, right? Where it's like, now if I have everything online, it's like, look, parent, I could pull up all their work right here. And like, you see the grade they got, this is what they have done every single day. Whereas in the past, like all we would really hold on to were like assessments and things like that. And it's like, if they kept their work in their binder, I returned it back to them. There's really no evidence of like showing um, mm. the amount of work they have done or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. um, so I overall feel very confident that technology can, it has potential to go very well. Um, but it's just, I feel like everyone's having a hard time just making that overall shift. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good thing to know. And I, I really, and I wanted to, you know, especially with like, I know, I feel like with everything going on with the pandemic, a lot of a conversation sometimes like it could go negative so fast, like, mm -hmm. you know, oh my goodness, like get these kids back to, and like, I think the priority is like making sure we're safe, you know? Exactly. And so from right. there, you know, let's talk about even just like the benefits of having that because this is not going to last forever, you know, but at the same time, right, like you right. said, it's amazing these skills that they are using and learning. And if anything, it could, it might spark in different like kids, like, Hey, I may want to go into a field with like computer science or, you exactly. know, it's like the fact that, um, in a lot of urban um, counties, people are saying, Oh, these children need to go back to school. Oh, they need to eat. You know, they did it. And it's just like, yes, that is true. However, like any other child who comes from a home that has these resources, they're sitting at home getting used to using this laptop that they're probably going to use to help them get a job in the future. So it's like, is the problem that you're worried about children eating or is it that you just don't feel like children, all these children deserve Chromebooks or they don't deserve the opportunity to get access to internet, which can open up the world to all sorts of things. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Like you really got to consider, you know, both ends to it. And then obviously health. So like, you know, don't mm, want to get sick. <laughs> so absolutely, every child should have a device. Yeah, absolutely. So in your opinion, what should people be more mindful of during these unprecedented times? Um, I guess that kind of circles back to like my beginning, like honestly, everything. You can't assume anything. Um, and I, it's like going into everything, but just like a little bit more patience. Um, a lot of the time, like, you know, you might get really, like, I've never, say if someone's never used Zoom before, you know, we mm -hmm. have a lot of parents and children who've never used Zoom before. I literally watched so many parents just get visibly upset using Zoom. And I'm like, look, it's okay. Like, this is your first time doing it. Like, yes. right. we're not going to, you know, be <laughs> a guru on day one. Like, right. it's okay. And it's just like, some, it's, I think it's just a matter of like having realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's kind of what it boils down to a lot of the time as well, where it's like, look, this is something that's new. It's going to take me some time to figure this out. And I'm going to, I'm going to give myself the space to figure it out. 
I'm going to provide resources where I have them just because it's like, it's not like no one has anything to offer. It's just a matter of figuring out what it is that you do have to offer, but also understanding it's like what you can't necessarily do just yet. It's like, I don't know how to do this yet, but I will one day. And like, what am I going to do to figure this out? Um, and cause I have a lot of parents who are like, this is so overwhelming. Oh, this is a lot. And it's just like, I can guarantee you within a month, these children, children pick things up so fast. I'm like, these children they are going to know yeah. like the back of their hand. I'm like, don't, don't discredit these children. They, they know exactly like what to do, how to do it and when to do it sometimes. Cause some of them try to play dumb with their parents too. And I'm just like, I see through it, but that's, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of, so oh, true. and then also utilize your resources. Some people like, it's like, if they don't know, it's like, there's no way they can know. Like, mm-hmm. like YouTube, y'all, like YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> can teach you a lot like I literally sent my students a video on how to copy and paste mm-hmm. like you know and it's just like I want that I want my students to get to a, in a position of like rather than necessarily always asking me it's okay that they ask me like it's perfectly fine but I also want them to get to a point where they can kind of help themselves where it's like well let me try to check out Google maybe I can use YouTube to kind of help me figure out how to do this um, and then I feel like that would I feel like that would make me so successful and like I would have done my job mm-hmm. if I'm just like if a child knows how to use their resources to help them problem solve then it's like the world is their oyster yeah so, they right. become more independent and, less that, and that's my goal I want yeah. my students to be independent leave me alone yeah no but I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure parents feel that way too you know what I mean like hey like you know instead of me telling you where it is like I'm, I'm gonna help you figure it out so when I'm if I'm not around or if you can't get in contact with anyone you know you know how to do these things right. and it's just building like exactly. we all want to be independent you know so it's yeah, a good yep. skill to have mm-hmm. Most I think definitely. So. <laughs> so what advice do you have for other teachers um for other teachers okay so I would say like have your team of teachers around you where it's like yeah, you could have like, you know, your significant other or your friend that you can vent to about what you do. However, there's just like something about being a teacher that it's like no one else in the profession would really understand. And Mm -hmm. so I do think that there is power in having a team of teachers that are like-minded and have the same goals as you. So you can ever, you can always lean on them if you're ever feeling like stressed, overwhelmed, like you can't, like, you know, like, it's like, there's like, there must be a resource out there, but I don't know what it is. You would be surprised, like the number of things that other teachers around, you know, um, that it's like, you can just ask them and then, you know, they can, they probably know something that can help you out. Utilize your resources. Okay. We have a lot of teachers who like, you know, they're so anti-technology. Some of them just learned how to check their email this year. And it's just like, you know, you're a little late, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, you use, you know, YouTube. If you're older, use your children. Like, ask for help. Um, and there's probably a solution out there for you. Um, so for teachers, it's just like, I mean, hey, even reach out to me. Like, I just feel like teachers love helping other teachers. So it's, like, really great to just have a community of other teachers. Like, even a Facebook group. I'm part of a Facebook group where we share resources regularly. Um, and it's just also even, I mean, to vent to a teacher is different from venting to um, people who aren't in that pro- profession. So I would just say like, right. find a way to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, don't be discouraged. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And, um, you know, once, once this episode airs too, we'll post your information as well, whatever you're comfortable with. So people, if they want to, they can, you know, send you a message or something, especially if they're in um, Baltimore as well, because I feel like that is important. And I, I know that like during the pandemic, I've always, like, I've been thinking about all these different types of people. And I think about healthcare workers, but I've also been like thinking a lot about teachers because I'm just like, oh my God, like this show does not stop for you guys. Like these are right. kids and these are their lives. Like this, mm-hmm. you know, they have to continue learning. I think for myself, like I'm not a mom, but at first I was finding myself like making fun of these kids. I like stopped myself and I had to check my own self, but I was just like, okay, like what can I do to help, you know? And so I mm-hmm. just submitted like all my stuff in order to volunteer to be like a like a mentor for Mm -hmm. um a different like I think one or two students um this upcoming school year and so I encourage everyone too that's listening to this that maybe they don't if they don't have any kids or you know be like okay like how does this how how can I help or how does this even affect me it's like Mm -hmm. As citizens of humanity, you know, I feel like we all have this responsibility and um, it's not just teachers, it's not just parents, like, you know, we definitely Mm -hmm. want this generation to grow up and be smart, be prepared, and especially like with so much technology and information being thrown at at them learn how to actually use it for good exactly. so which takes us into the next question which was actually submitted by a parent so the question is how do parents advocate for teachers and students in virtual learning spaces okay so i feel like that question it it, it um, depends like school by school so mm-hmm. like some schools you know they have like a pta that pta is still virtual you know it's still function functioning up and running Um, I would definitely say this time of the year is a great time to kind of get involved in your child's education and just school community in general, if you're not. Um, Back to school night is always a great time to start. Um, Back to school night is when they tell you about like community um, outreach um, events, when, you know, they tell you about the PTA or PTO. Um, They talk about all the committees that you can be a part of. So I would definitely say reach out to your school. Um, And that's, and I guess that's just that, yeah, that helps teachers and students. Um, And with teachers, I would just say having a healthy relationship and, you know, offering help. Um, Some teachers don't necessarily always need help. So it's like, don't get offended if the teacher says no. However, you know, you'll never know if you don't offer. And then when it comes to the child, I would definitely say being involved in your child's education, but like not passively, where it's like, I'm not going to wait for my child to fail before I speak up. It's like, no, like... (laughs) Look at where your child is learning. Like, look at the skill that it is that they're building and help them work with that and, like, kind of understand how it interacts with their development. Um, I feel like a lot of parents, they're just like, oh, well, I've been to school before, so I know all of this. And the, the reality is, after third grade, the answer is no, you don't. Like, even I have to look mm-hmm. at answer keys sometimes, you know, like yeah. when I'm teaching them and things like that. And there's nothing, there's nothing bad about that it's just those are the facts it's like the way that curriculum is set up you won't know everything but it's like you can Mm -hmm. you can become a better resource if you're more involved where it's like hey what what unit are you on what's what book are you reading like what is the theme of the book or the theme of your unit for this year you know so it's just like if your child ever does come up and ask you for help you can actually help versus having to like go back and have them to try to tell you everything they've learned from September and it's like March. So, yeah. 
yeah and I would in, right like it, in. yeah exactly um, yeah and I think that's super important and this is a two-part question so how can we and I think Joyce you touched on it a little bit but how can we support teachers and students oh so like non-children <laughs> like us <laughs> Non-children. <laughs> yeah, like Joyce touched on, she volunteers. Um, <laughs> but is there anything that we can be doing, um, you know, to support? So, I mean, time? I would say, obviously, volunteer. Like, that's a wonderful thing to do. Um, I would also say, if you know anyone who has children, um, they probably need you to watch them. Mm. So, just doing something as simple as that, where it's yeah. like, um, I have a lot of parents who they work late, so they have a family member with their child as they were doing online learning. So if you can be a resource for your, um, a parent in that way, that would be great. Um, with my nephew over the summer, um, I worked with him and like we, he's three years old and he was already reading words. So um, just doing small things where you can just pretty much, I feel like offering your time is really the most valuable thing. So many, yeah. so many yeah. times parents are like, I need my, I need someone to watch my child. Like, from this time to this time and it's just like if they don't have anyone it's like they're out of luck and so if you just mm-hmm. kind of present yourself as a resource resource like hey do you need help with anything you need me to get you some groceries or have y'all eaten today you want me to cook you a meal I feel like that would be greatly appreciated for anyone you know that has a child yeah. this has been really enlightening yes ah, yes cool. I love it. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite episodes for sure. Yeah, I think it's so, and it's just, like I said, you know, a lot of the times we can look at like a topic and be like, well, it doesn't really apply to me, but it really does, you know, and as like, Mm -hmm. again, just like thinking, there's so much um, I think that is at stake, you know, even when we talk about, I mean, we don't really like talk about politics, but like from politics to just like the pandemic and how everything, it affects everyone everything, in different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, like I said, like in those industries where you're talking about like healthcare and teachers, like that does not, that's essential, you know, mm-hmm. that's an essential mm-hmm. um, way of life. Like we definitely need that. I'm so glad that one that you know your students have you, you, you seem, mm-hmm. I wish, I wish I could, I wish I could have had a <laughs> Miss, uh, Miss Lambert. <laughs> growing up <laughs> I mean Same. I'm trying to be the adult I wish my the child version of me would have had around you know the last question that I would have for you is um have you seen any like especially you being again with like each day with these kids um like a shift even just like mental health wise with the kids or maybe even with yourself um, and how, you know, you're dealing with it or how they're dealing with it. Maybe some like tips on that. Um, yeah, so my school has always been pretty good at uh, social emotional learning. So that's like the, the PC term that we use um, in education. It's SEL. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we have uh, literally a wholeness specialist at my school who works on those social emotional skills. So like even at the very, at the end of last school year with like the George Floyd and everything, like we actually did have like a whole um, conversation about it, like with our fifth grade, fifth graders. And like, they were able to kind of share how it was making them feel. And so I feel like because my school has kind of already started that habit, um, it's been very easy for me to kind of roll that over. So every morning um, in our homeroom, we do some sort of SEL activity. Um, Once again, shout out to Class Dojo. They have, <laughs> they 
they have like these <laughs> they have these videos they're like two three minutes long and it's just like about kind of building that social emotional learning and understanding of self so mm-hmm. if you watched a video today about like you know I feel so dumb. I don't want to go to school anymore. And it's like, well, your brain is a muscle. You just got to work it out. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, really? that's cute. That is, that's it's true. I think I, mean, so I need that video. <laughs> where, where is this virtual learning for like adults? You might have to sneak us in. Yeah, be like, like, y'all can come because I'm, that is the first five thing. minutes of the class. For real, I love so first 20 minutes from 9 to nine twenty. <laughs> um no I really love those like those videos just because like I I've like I began some gems out of there too yeah mm-hmm. so um because we like made that a habit and established a habit in our school mm-hmm. I feel like our students definitely are more in tune with how they're feeling what they can handle if they're not okay in that moment like we definitely normalize talking about our feelings um however like I don't know if that's a thing in all schools, but I feel like in general, like they have tried to make it more of a thing as of late. I'm telling you, those like I think even parents can watch the videos too. Yeah, yeah. And if if you know anyone is listening, their school doesn't do that. You know, as a parent or whatever, like you can find these videos, and maybe you can share some with us so we can like post it on yeah. our like yeah, Instagram and stuff. Definitely. So that way, you know, like you said, like sometimes we ourselves need to hear that. And so people can start right. off. And so if it's not the norm, it can become the norm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm very happy to hear that you guys are doing that and you've incorporated yeah, that amazing. in your classroom because here in the Virgin Islands, like that is definitely neglected. Mm. The social and emotional part of learning, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's so very, 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 I mean, I just feel like if, cause we, we did a training actually last week and it's just like, if, if all of your needs like for survival aren't being met, then it's like, how are you going to learn? Right. So it's like, if right. you went through something traumatic, yes. well, I, I don't care what kind of math you telling me right now. <laughs> like I'm trying to cope. Right. And yep. so, <laughs> and so Facts. it's like, to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that goes for anyone, you know, it's just like, you yeah. can't get upset with a child that they don't know how to emotionally deal with whatever's going on. Like, I don't know why I had to be in the house all day. I love being outside to play. And it's just like, they don't understand what's going on. So you have to have the conversation with them. It's important yes. for them right. to understand. They're old enough to understand for the most part. A lot of people don't give children credit. They are old enough to understand a lot of concepts and it's okay to have conversations with them. You may need to, you may need to change the language to make be more child friendly, but the concept is something that they're able and capable of understanding and conversing about. So, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Wow, Michelle, thank you so much for agreeing to do yes. this. <laughs> thank Thanks you. Thank you. Me. Yeah, so, it's been. I so enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been very enlightening. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. And um, you can let, it's up to you. You can let people know right now how to find you on like oh. I, whatever it is that you're comfortable with. And then at mm-hmm. the same time too, um, we can post on our social too, if you're comfortable, like if they want to message you via email, if that's better. Yeah, you can share my email, mal5410 at gmail.com. Okay, uh, awesome. Some of you email me. That would be, I love sharing resources. I mean, when you think about it, we're just helping the next generation who's going to help us. So right, like, right, what right, is there right. to lose? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So our second guest with us this evening is Miss Brittany Sibley. She is currently a pre-kindergarten teacher on the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. 
She has taught for six years and is nearly finished with her master's in early childhood education from Champlain College in Vermont. Through her experience, she has learned that there are a lot of depth and techniques to understanding early childhood development and ways to effectively promote learning. Welcome, Brittany Sibley. Hey, Britt. Hi. Thank you for Thanks that for wonderful us. introduction. We got two Britneys <laughs> on here, so for the sake of this episode, when I'm talking to Britt, I'll talk to Britt, and then you'll be Brittany. Wait, they don't even know what that means. Oh my god, Brit, you're Brit, okay? Because this is this is the podcast of JoJo and Brit. Oh, gotcha. Listen, listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. And then Miss Brittany Sibley. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna just call her Miss Sibley. You know what? Yeah, are just welcome, Brittany. Say hi to the people. Hello, people. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Can you tell us about yourself and your experience with teaching? And we'll get into virtual learning, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as a teacher. I will tell you. Um, Basically, I never wanted to be a teacher. And I was looking for a little side hustle. And I found out that there was a substitute position at the school that I work at. And I started doing that and fell in love with it. And an assistant position opened. And I actually worked for someone who was a teacher to me in a summer camp for like years. So shifted from being her student to her coworker, which was cool. Hmm. And then my journey into being a lead teacher has been nothing but challenges so far, but I've overcome them. Like my first year being a lead teacher came Hurricanes Irma and Maria. Wow. Found out I was going to be a teacher two weeks before that because someone had dropped out. So, and basically all of my my colleagues that I was going to lean on for support all had to end up leaving because of the hurricane so I was kind of just thrown into that dealing with like the aftermath of kids who had dealt with trauma with that so that was interesting Mm. and then I get my groove going just two three years in and now here's the pandemic and I'm a virtual teacher so oh my gosh it's been interesting it's like this not ending initiation (laughs) yeah you're just going to be like a trauma specialist list and um pandemic and all of that just like adding that to your resume they should just hand that to me (laughs) how old um have the kids been so like what um, they range they range between three and five so it's a multi-age group um which i I mean that has its challenges but i really like it so basically i get the kids for two years so i've got my pre-k three kids and pre-k four so like my younger kids and then like my older kids who get to you know be like the leaders Mm. so it's, it's good because you get to develop a relationship with the family and you have that over a two-year period. And with this age group, those parents, those kids end up having siblings, like close in age. So I've been with some families for like six years because of that, because oh, I had wow. multiple of their kids. And yeah, and that's like one of the most important things is developing relationships with the families. So wow. that's been great. And that's something that um, our earlier guest had mentioned as well, just those relationships. Can you talk about like your experience with parents too? It's been different. Um, different teachers are able to handle it differently too. Like the teacher that I had that I worked for most recently before I was a lead, she had a really difficult time with parents that I actually, when I became the lead, I still had those parents and my relationship with them was great. You know, it's just about, taking time to like understand each other's situations and just talking to that parent. Um, 
giving them good feedback and just showing them that you're interested in their child is like the top thing you could do. They just need to know that you know their child and they will treat you better. I mean, I'm like their first teacher. So that's like, that's why this age group is so hard. It's like their babies that they're giving to me. And how has your experience been with virtual learning? It has been interesting. I'm still learning. Like um, when the pandemic first happened, like at the end of the school year last year, it was like literally a week later, become a virtual teacher and it was really hard. But I figured it out. Cause so now this year as a virtual teacher, like I feel so much better about it than I did last year, but it, it takes a lot of prep. Like for me, it's more prep than regular in school because pre-K mm -hmm. is very flexible. Like I can make a plan, but I never expect it to go that way, nor do I push it to go that way. Like if we get to school and it really seems like the kids are obsessed with this bug they saw outside, then I might scratch my whole plan that I had and we will explore and learn more about that bug and do math, do math, do science, do dramatic play based on that. So that's what I'm used to. And like now with virtual, it's like I have to have a set plan because you have to be prepared because attention spans or making activities, like it has to be ready every day at that moment. So, but Luckily, I have like a, um, another pre-K teacher. She has her own class, but we collaborate and that is a godsend. Like, so That's awesome. awesome. So Brittany, um, in your experience, like what everyday kind of household items can parents use to kind of replace traditional learning tools, especially with younger kids and having their attention span be so like short? Yeah. Yeah. Well, before you get into like other things that you can try and replace it with, like things like scissors, that's just something you can't replace. So if you think of just very basic things that a child would need, it doesn't have to be fancy, but like glue, scissors, some type of writing tool, crayons, markers. So that's just something that kids should have in their house. And those aren't expensive things to have, you know, they're basic and you need those because that's what helps build fine motor skills. And you need those things to do whatever else. So in terms of basic things, I would do that. But then, I mean, for this age group, everything is kind of a go, like um, cotton balls. Most people have cotton balls in their house. Save your paper towel rolls, your toilet paper rolls, um, plastic mm. cups, cardboard boxes, um, all that type of stuff is really important. Or even outside, bringing nature in, sticks, leaves. So, and kind of letting the kids lead the way. If there's something they're interested in playing with, they'll figure out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, at the beginning of this school year, you are inside the classroom. Mm -hmm. So talk about the preparation it took for you to set up your classroom in a way where it was safe for the kids to learn. Yeah, that, that, was, that was quite the challenge. It, it's, it was a step-by-step -step process. But the first thing you have to do, I mean, the kids have to have their own space. Like, so it was... And even though, you know, we are a private school and we are a lot more fortunate than other schools, but in this situation, we pretty much had to work with what we had. So it was using our furniture to create barriers was the first step. Like before you even get into the creative fun part was making it safe. So yeah. pretty much each kid has a pod and we actually used, um, the maintenance team came up with taking screen borders, like a screen, but taking the screen out and replacing that with like a clear plastic 
whether it's like a shower curtain liner or whatever else they may have found. And they were able to, so that becomes like your barrier that's clear. So, you know, the kids can see each other. So it was screwing that all our furniture. I mean, when this is all over, our furniture is going to be all messed up. But <laughs> basically we have those screened, um, screwed into all of our pieces of furniture and um, tape on the floor. Like I made like a roundabout. So we're kind of like, kind of like a road so it's like a circle table in the middle and the kids are around it and then there's arrows so that they only go in that direction um so that was hard to make but then came the fun part was just you know kids are supposed to play together so it does it does suck you know it's not what it's supposed to be but it's what we have to do so I basically took all the materials that we're used to using and divided it between them. It, they didn't have to have the exact same things, but similar things. So from their own set of books to their own set of building toys, and then they each had like their little art kit. Um, they each had to have a little area where they could um, sit and have like a desk of some sort, like a table. Um, they each had one little set of dress up clothes, a stuffed animal, a doll, like, so basically splitting that all up. But then comes the actual playing. I preferred being outside and it is better to be outside. Um, the biggest hit was noodle tag. So pool noodles, I, schools out there. <laughs> if you haven't gotten those yet and you're about, and you're going to go into school, you need to go to the store. Like we scraped, we went all over St. Thomas finding every noodle you could possibly have. That is so, that's such a good idea. It, it was, it is so perfect. I mean, for multiple things, I mean, we have them just to have it, they play tag. I mean, tag is like your go-to game. So they're hitting each other with the tag, not in the face, of course. Um, and then another for like the toddlers, for the younger group who, when you're walking, even my group kind of like, if you're walking somewhere, like they're used to holding this um, ring thing, but instead they made like a rope and put it through the pool and then the kids would hold on and have their spot. So it takes a lot oh, wow. of creativity and a lot yeah. of collaboration and sitting back and like, it was overwhelming. I mean, we would have to take a walk thing and come back to it. But mm -hmm. the kids were so much better than I expected. That's what I was going to ask you. Have you found that, especially with like that age group, like, are they understanding? Because sometimes I feel like I have a niece who's, um, she just turned two and she puts on her mask like, and doesn't give, you know, doesn't give us problems like these other grown no they literally like I had to it was kind of sad though because I felt like I had to beg them like they went in their space like they are separated from each other but just you know to be extra safe they still have to wear them but if they want to take it off take a breather aside from like bigger breaks like I was like just go in the corner take it off you know and they would look at me like are you sure like I'd have to push it but they were really good at it um and I just had to make sure they were still having fun. Like, I didn't want them to feel like they had to be too, you know, structured and like, we can still have fun, guys. We can figure it out. Um, right. Yeah, they were great. That's, that, that has been my biggest thing. I do feel like um, a lot of times people think that just because their kids like, oh, no, like you have to shelter them or, you know, how, no, you just, or, how do you talk to them? How do you talk to them about everything that's going on? To the kids themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean... The parents have done because, you know, we, we actually like went on spring break last year and then came the pandemic. So like the parents are the ones who kind of did like taught them about what this virus was. And there's actually a lot of um, store, like little animations and stories explaining to kids about coronavirus. Um, so they all understood it. 
and we did a lot of hand washing practice and um, they all showed me, like we come up with songs that we could sing when we're hand washing. It's literally about finding the fun and making it like, don't make them feel like they're in danger. It's just like, you know, guys, this is something we have to do and we have to be safe. And they understand that. And, you know, sometimes like we'd play outside and we get too close and I, you know, you don't want to be like, no, don't go next to that kid. Like you can't make them feel like they're doing something wrong, but you know, it's all about the approach. And yeah. yeah. And I think I saw a demonstration with you showing them, like teaching them about social distancing with the dominoes. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was actually, I actually, I'm not going to claim that it was my idea. I did see it online (laughs) somewhere, (laughs) but it it was a really great idea. So basically we have these colorful dominoes and, um, each kid, each domino represented one of our kids. So I took each domino and I was like, great. And I was like, um, to make different names, Joyce, this is you, Brittany, this is you, Sydney, this is you. And, um, and then this, this is Miss Sibley. And I put them all next to each other because they all know about, we all play with the dominoes and doing the domino effect mm. when you hit it and it all falls. But I put them all close to each other. And I was like, so we're talking about social distancing and what do you think would happen if this one domino got sick and getting sick was falling down? So you hit the Mm. domino, that domino got sick because they were very close to each other. Everybody got sick. And then we redid it. And I would ask, you know, you got to keep them interactive. It's not me giving a demonstration. It's us working together. So they were like, they all going to get sick. They're all going to fall down. And then we did it again. I asked them what I should do. They told me, make, put them further. Six feet, six feet. I was like, well, I can't really do six feet, but we'll do them further. It's a representation. So we did it, and then I was like, all right, well, Brittany over here got sick, knocked her down. Did anybody else get sick? No other dominoes fell because we were being safe and social distancing. So that was I that. I love that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I really love that demonstration. I suggest it for it any was... teacher starting, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for adults too, because <laughs> that part. That's what, I was, that's what I was about to say, like... Because clearly they're not getting it. But that is yeah. a simple enough concept that, mm-hmm. hey, we're all dominoes. Yeah. <laughs> if one falls, we all not standing down a domino. Yeah. <laughs> we all won't fall down, you know? So <laughs> yes, so. that was a really cool demonstration. <laughs> yeah, It's really good. And I do feel like um, nowadays, especially, we have to put it in those types of metaphors because people are not understanding whether, you know, mm-hmm. and I do feel like if a kid can grasp that, like, that that's very true. Yeah. It will fall. Like there is nothing yeah. else. <laughs> it mm-hmm. will fall. Yeah. Um, what are some other activities that you would suggest parents can do with their kids, especially, um, you know, as, as, like as they're being home. home. Yep. Uh, well, before the thing that I would suggest, even before you start even thinking about activities, like your, your godsend, your savior is you have to have some type of schedule or routine for your kids. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw them into it. They can't be in the middle of playing with their dolls and you're like, no, it's time to come over here. You need to sit down and do your whatever activities. You, it, it's not going to work. You're not going to capture them. They're not going to be interested. And if they're not interested, they're not learning. So, and kids are very visual. So like my first suggestion would be to come up and everyone's is going to look different. This is what I told my parents. I was like, I'm not, I don't have expectations of how it's going to be. But you need to look at what your lifestyle is. You need to have a snack time and make a little, like make it on little cards. There's actually, there's a principle if you're, if you're not cre- creative and you don't feel like doing it. Teachingmama.org. 
She mm. is a homeschool mom and she gives the best suggestions. I go to her for ideas, but she actually has one you can download and you can pick and choose which kind of cards, or you can make that an activity. Talk with your child about, you know, the different parts of the day and have them draw a picture that represents that. So have a little paper that says um, snack time and they can draw an apple and then um, maybe like, like work time. Like if they do have activities from their teacher, then you know, this is the time to work on that and arts and crafts time or free play where they just, you know, that's when they're able to do whatever it is that they want to do. And um, yeah, you just break down lunchtime, nap time, whatever times are in your day, like, but they need to be able to see it. Like if I didn't have a schedule at school, then, you know, they would be going haywire all day. They understand that right now, this is our time to do snack. When we finish with this, then we can go to the playground. Like no one's going to have a fit because they're forced to go to snack because they know what's coming. They need to know what's coming. They need to feel organized. Like as, as much as kids seem like they're all over the place, they want you to help them organize. They want to feel like they have this structure. You, you can't just try and throw it at them blindly. It's just, it's not going to work out. Um, Absolutely. And one more thing in addition to that, no matter what your living situation is, um, they just need to have some type of space, whether it's small, whether it's big, but they need to have a space that they know is theirs. And I don't care where, it, it could be in the hallway, but they need to have a space that they can concentrate. This is where I do my work with limited distractions. Like people think kids like colors and all this stuff all over the place. No, they need like a more neutral space where their brains are not being pulled in all directions. So I love that. I was so, yeah. I just want to make this comparison to just because it is, you know, this podcast, but it's so interesting because this is coming from you, right? And you're a teacher in the Virgin Islands and our other guest, Michelle, who's Baltimore City Public School, she said the same thing, you know, that mm -hmm. having that dedicated space, um, so important. that, that importance, like it doesn't have to be crazy. It could be, you know, she said like a corner, having a corner. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's like so amazing as well that you're saying the same thing mm -hmm. because we talk about like structure and like, it's, it's, it's very important. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that because we're talking yeah. about, um, like even for ourselves, like going to work, like changing, like the, the importance mm -hmm. of changing and just like mentally preparing that you're going yeah. to go about your day. And so this is yep. really interesting, especially even if kids are as young as, you know, three to five. Yeah. They, 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 that, that's, that's needed. That structure yeah. is, is needed. Yeah. And that age group, they, they like to be proud and they like to feel like something is theirs. And, you know, because everything else is so controlled in their life. You know, they're not that independent yet. So knowing this is my space and like kids love their names, don't give them a nickname that unless they love that, unless they're born with that nickname, they like their names. They're proud of their name. It's their identity. Have them write their name or trace their name, decorate their name card. That could be the first thing that says, this is my space. And then just make it comfortable. Have a few toys if you want, or unless you have a different space for your toys, but just have and have everything they need. Like, you know, you're, going to do like a zoom with your teacher or something and um have your little kit that has your scissors a writing tool a glue just be ready because you'll lose them in a second so we have gotten some submissions from parents right mm -hmm. and i think this leads us into this question um someone submitted if you're dealing with a toddler and they get restless in the middle of an activity 
should you move on to another activity or should you force your child to finish the one that you were doing at the time? You should absolutely move on. Toddlers especially, I mean, this, this goes against, this system, this virtual thing goes against everything that they need, but obviously we need, you know, we have to make do. A toddler is not, if they're not interested, let it go. Like they're not going to learn from this if they're not interested. They're not going to be into it. And then what's going to happen is you're going to frustrate them. They're not going to like it. And they're never going to want to do it again, even if they could have been ready. Right now, all the to- what the toddler needs to have is exposure to things, is being able to touch things, play with things, get, fe- get positive feedback from you, um, and just be... They just need to interact with something. They need to touch things. They need to throw. They need to, they need to explore, basically. And yeah. even in a classroom, they're not really forced into doing, they never really have to do something at a time. If teacher wants them to do art, they'll pull art materials out. And it's like, let's see what you guys can come up with. But I would never force it. Even with a pre-K kid, I mean, four and five-year-olds, yes, I expect the parents, you know, to do their part to set them up and get them excited for an activity. But a lot of what the parents do and what mine have done is like, they'll send me the activity. Clearly the parent did it as if that's going to please me. Like, like, no, I would have rather because the child did not want to focus and draw the two eyes, the nose and the mouth. I'm like, no, if she wanted to just draw a bunch of lines on it, let her do that. Or if she wasn't ready, come back to it later like that's good to know for sure because i feel like a lot of parents feel pressured to Mm -hmm. have their kids do like follow through with that activity or that or whatever's in their workbook you know for that yeah yeah no i mean i I mean it also who knows what that teacher expects but from my point from my point of view too like um my, my activities i post them like this is not live i'll post them give the instructions and I pretty much, I give the parents a way to do it. And then I give them two, op, two other ways they can do it. I don't know what they have at home versus, or what they're able to do. So I give them multiple ways they can do the same thing or if they need to take a different approach, as long as the concept is still there. And if I don't have it by tomorrow, I'm going to be okay. My point is that the kid is interacting and being engaged. And if it's not at that moment, it's fine. But right yeah pushing and, it no yeah no that's that, there, that's definitely good to know there was another question that was submitted and this parent has a five-year-old and they're doing virtual learning um on the mainland and she had asked how can parents ensure that their child doesn't get bored if the group lessons are like remedial you know yeah. is there things that she can be doing outside of the lesson plan for that day Yes, like what you think what I would do is you attempt it with your child and kind of you know what your child is interested in or what types of things they like if you can like turn it like into their direction if you can try it and if it doesn't work and you you ask them like how can I help you to do this like personally I have five-year-olds and if it's too hard for them if being in a zoom with me is too hard for them like we're playing a game they're not interested and the parent is like I've literally had parents hold them there and like sit here I'm like no let them go let them go maybe talk to them about what I'm doing whatever information you have do it in a different way or call me after when they're ready this whole being on 
I feel the pressure of being on Zoom and being seen. Like, I'm used to being a teacher, but this is very, it's mm. nerve wracking for me. So imagine a child being on that and yeah. it, it, it takes, it's a lot. So I never, I will never even force them to come to a Zoom. I make my Zoom fun activities that are interactive that makes them happy to be there. And then I would do like the more, the things that I want them to focus on more, I post so they do on their own time. But again, like, I don't know what another teacher might require, but my suggestion is never to force them into it. Do what you can to provoke their interest. Let it go at that moment if it's not whatever, and then maybe bring it up again later. Yeah, try to yeah. adjust to, yeah. you know, to the child. Yeah, let the child I lead. That's like the whole thing is like let, kind of letting them take the lead. I'm not saying let your child be in charge. Like people might be like, oh, you just let them do what they want to do, but it's not about that. It's about meeting them where their interest is. It's obvious if they're doing that on this on Zoom and they're not getting it, they're not going to get it. Yeah. And I like yeah. that too. It's just almost like empowering, you know, the child. So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, if he or she feels like they want to do X, like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, you maybe want to do a yeah. different type of version of the activity. Exactly. Imagine them feeling like they're failing on, on this platform. Yeah. Are they ever going to want to come and do it again? Even if it's something that they probably can do, they're not going to want to. And if they don't want to and you force them, and even if they do it because they're being forced, they don't like it. Yeah. That's, like kind of, that's where people lose the love of learning. Mm. When you're forced into doing things and you're not really inquiring with the child and letting yeah. them take the lead. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes less fun, you know, and mm -hmm. I think for, especially at that age, it's like, well, if it's not fun, why am I doing this? Yeah. Do yeah. they, are they required out of curiosity um, to have their cameras on where you are? I haven't, I haven't required it. I think the older grades they're having, they're having more difficulty, like they're having a challenging situation with how to handle it because they're not requiring it because of equity and just, but you know, some students take advantage of that. But with my age group, they're all there, except for the one kid who was nervous and he would put his on black. So he would watch everything, but he didn't want to be seen. But I mean, my kids are all happy to be there, excited and 20 minutes tops for the, for the Zoom. And maybe if a couple kids seem really intrigued after that 20 minutes and the rest aren't, I'm like, all right, those of you who are ready to go, I'll see you guys tomorrow. If anybody wants to stay on and continue singing chit chatting with me you guys can stay on but like attention spans are very important to pay attention to uh, pay attention to you don't want to push it because you're going to lose them and then it could just you know ruin yeah is yeah. there out of again curiosity is there um a certain number that like maybe people should aim for like if we're if, we're, well, if like, i'm doing an activity like okay maybe like 20 minutes and then after like maybe yeah i think it goes up by like the five so like a three-year old they're like maximum it's a range, but it's between like seven and 15 minutes. And then like age four is 20 and age five is like up to 25. So I just stick to 20 for my Zooms. And then mm -hmm. again, like if some kids, and it always does end up being the older kids if they want to stay on a little longer. But yeah, I mean, and this is virtual. This is attention spans, just talking about in general and regular life and doing activities. Yeah, right. But much like, less online. Right. Yeah. So online, I think I might. <laughs> I think I might be five online. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> <Working> from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
the thing is to remind, put yourself in your kid's situation. So many things people don't realize, like when, I don't want to call people out. When some parents call them out, talk that talk. (laughs) When some parents, unless you have a reason and I'm always open and understanding and not like judging people's situations, but like if you're getting your child late, late to school, right? If they're supposed to be there by 8.15, right? And they're coming at nine o'clock every day for no good reason, just because, you know, it's like, oh, it's pre-K, it's whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. We are sitting at circle. That child is walking in. They're walking in and there's a meeting happening. So it's like now, imagine you're an adult, you walk to work and you walk in on this big meeting and you're late. How awkward do you feel? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same very thing. embarrassing. Yes. It's embarrassing. Uh, the, that and it's just a lot of that. pressure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, that's actually um, um, a question I have for you. So what are some things, what are some other things that, that you feel like parents should be like more aware of that if they change could be a huge assistance to those kids? Yeah. Like that's, mm. a, that's, that's, that's definitely. Um, and I think that like, even growing up, like I've always been in that position, like I was not late on my own accord and it <laughs> felt awkward, you know? So yeah. that's something I mean, that's quite yeah, that's why communicating with parents and constantly talking and not assuming that they understand. Like so many things I will tell them to do or, and I would assume that they understand what I mean in approaching it. And it's just, it's not. I have to remind myself that I know what I know because of my position, but just be more flexible and don't have too many, ex- I mean, have expectations for your child, but don't push them. Let them take the lead. If you're at home with them and instead of like trying to find something for them to do, sit down and watch them play. Not just like, you know, oh, they're okay, but like watch them play and see what they're doing. There's so many, they're doing problem solving when they're playing. They're, when they're talking to themselves, that's one of the best things that they could do because they say, um, they say children, when they are doing dramatic play and imaginary play, you're actually looking at a glimpse into 20 years in the future. It is the, wow. It is. Oh. It's the most. It's. Uh, I found that I learned that in my class actually. But it's. So I'm oh not crazy. God, I, I need. Wait, no, because I need to go. <laughs> I need to go and tell my mom because. <laughs> right. I'm. A- <laughs> yeah. I had the most vivid imagination and like. No. That's, that's a great thing. No, dramatically, yeah. it's like the. It's like top of the. It's like. If they are able to be in a space and wow. pretend this is be talk on the phone, like I actually had to, the reason I know this so well too, is because for my class, I had to choose one of my students to like thoroughly observe for like the entire semester. And I had to just watch him and what I learned in focusing on him. Like if you like, we talk about attention spans being short, like you can't even sit there for five minutes and finish drawing your picture. He, will, he would have sat on the couch in our little dramatic play area on the phone having this conversation. Half of it is as if he's listening to someone and he is his dad. He's, a, he's his dad on the phone talking to his coworker about, yeah, he'll be there in 15 minutes. This kid sat on the couch for like 15 minutes straight. No playing. I mean playing, but no moving, no doing anything. Nothing had to entertain him. He, he is controlling himself in a way that he would not be able to in any other setting. It's like they have this control when they're in there. Wow. When they're in that play like no other. It's, it's something amazing to watch. So if you ever want to watch your child do something, like watch when they are playing kitchen, 
or watch when they're playing with their baby dolls or playing with they're the mommy it is you hear you hear them talk in ways you never heard talk I had a student I might be rambling now but I'll stop with this one <laughs> no I, like I, I had a student who she was she was one of the youngest she never talked circle time I would try and get her to you know share her favorite something nothing I try and talk to her you know do my silly voices whatever she would not talk to me one day I'm walking past our house corner and I hear this conversation with these very mature voices vocabulary out of this world and I'm like who is in there having this adult conversation and it's her and these other kids discussing their day at breakfast and the vo I mean she's three I'm like oh my god she can talk <laughs> because she's playing and they're having they're having adult conversation adult conversations like about how their day was what they're going to do the rest of the day Ooh, these eggs are really tasty what did you use wow. like I'm just like wow like I, that point gets proven to me over and over again so wow that's a, let that's them a, talk wow. to themselves yes. and talk to their baby doll give them things wow yeah. that's awesome and, and, and maybe you know even just for parents too like um taking some time to like maybe mm -hmm. be more aware of their child because mm -hmm. maybe they're not talking or maybe they're not playing during the times that you're just like play you know yeah, or, right yeah, no, so being yeah. more mindful because mm -hmm. what they might find is that they have this super creative child yeah know, who's like who's out here really talking yeah <laughs> talking it's crazy <laughs> yeah but like let them take the lead like even i should i go play with them because you know i should play with them but like, you have to kind of let them ease it in. Like I'll go and I'll sit there and if they want to offer me coffee, which they know I love coffee. So they offer it to me, then I will go ahead and I'll interact with them. And, mm. but I, teachers have a tendency or even parents like to take over. Like I know better. I know how to make this more fun, but that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. So parents need to also be mindful of the conversations they're having around their kids. Too. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yes, that proves right because a lot if they're if they're going. Oh yeah, know, I found out play, a lot about his. I found out a lot about his family that I probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, that's so interesting, you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of the times people just like don't are not mindful, and I know I find myself, especially again, you know, I have no kids. Um, well, we all don't have no kids right now, but the moment that I begin to be like around kids, I'm like, I'm just so much more aware now of my language, of what I'm mm -hmm. saying, what I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. And it's really because I have noticed when you're like more aware of a child, like you notice just exactly how much they're mimicking you yeah. or mimicking their surroundings. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you don't think they're listening, but they're a hundred percent listening. Oh yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Just, so what advice do you have for other teachers? Two, lower your expectations for yourself. Do not overwhelm yourself. I mean, and this, goes, this actually goes for parents too. Like if you are stressed out and you feel like you're doing too much, that is immediately going to feed into the kids. Like if you're stressed out, they're stressed out, you know? Um, and just be flexible, be understanding of everyone's situation and just do your part to help as much as you can yeah. and um, give them ideas and co just communicate with them. It's just really about being, this is a situation right now that's everyone, you know, we're all suffering in different ways and everyone has their different challenges. And, you know, I have this one parent who like, you know, her kid 
her kid the whole the first few weeks he wasn't doing anything on my I, we use this thing called seesaw to make activities he wasn't doing that he wasn't going to zooms and I, I found myself kind of being judgy I'm like, well, I knew, I knew it was more difficult for her, but what she really needed, she just would be like, you know, our situation's too hard. So I kind of let it go. I also, I didn't want to be pushy because I didn't want to be like, you still have to do this. It doesn't matter that your situation, but what she needed was just a little push. Like, I'm like, why don't you try this? She thought it was impossible for her to be able to do seesaw or be able to get on the zoom. I'm like, just try once. I was like, see how it works out for you. And I gave her like more of like a step-by-step. -step. I broke it down more for her than I had. And she did it at once and she realized it wasn't as hard for her as she assumed it would be. Like it was simpler. She, there was a way she could do it. And now wow. that kid has been at every single Zoom. He's doing his activities, not every single one, but I don't expect that. And like, wow, if I had just emailed her separately yeah. from before, and not just been like, oh, she's just not going to try. Like, mm -hmm. So you definitely would... advocated for that parent Yeah. at that time, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. my question to you is how can parents advocate for teachers and their students? Yeah. Parents just, oh, they need <laughs> to take the time to understand, especially right now, understand we did, we don't, this is a new job. We don't know how to be virtual teachers. This isn't yeah. something that we, this isn't something we have experience with. It's not something we study. Like this is a learning process for us, but just understand that we are doing our best. Like the thing is trusting the teachers. I mean, a lot of, being a teacher, a lot of people, it's not like you're a doctor, you trust your doctor, you know that they give you this um, prescription, you know that what they're telling you is right. This diagnosis is right. A lot of people do not think of teachers that way. And they assume they can do it better or, mm. or like, that's not going to work. They have but, an opinion. Yeah. Like, understand that we do know what we're talking about. It may seem really simple to you. A lot of people like oversimplify what a teacher's job is, even like, especially my age group. But I'm like, it takes a lot to do what looks so simple to you. Like Absolutely. teaching, the teaching portion is this much of what I'm actually doing all day. Like, right. so just like have patience with them. And reach out to them. Ask them mm. questions if you can, but don't, yeah, just share your experience with them and give them a chance to, like, connect with you. I love that. I yeah. love that. Especially because mm. um, a lot of times, it's interesting that you gave that comparison because essentially, you know, during these times, I kind of mentally have, like, put, like, healthcare workers and teachers in a similar position because I'm like, okay, well, you guys are essential, you know, and yeah. your job, you know, has just, whether it's healthcare workers, just like the, at the same time too, like, even though they've gone to, um, this is their field, right? These are unprecedented times. Like nobody was really like ready. Like our, this is what, ha this happens once like in our, in a generation yeah. or whatever. So at the same time with teaching, you know, with so many opinions and with so many people like, you know, just throwing so many like ideas at you. It's just very yeah. important in your opinion. What do you, what do you wish or what do you, what would you love for more people to have or be more mindful of during these times? I think everyone should just be mindful that, I mean, like I, I mean, I've said this over and over, but everyone is trying their best and everyone 
and not everyone knows exactly they don't know how to do none of us know how to do this thing like there's no there's no rule book for how to do this there's no guidebook for how to do this and some of my activities like have been fails like i'm like mm-hmm. i like i'm going to try try it out total fail i planned i spent like hours planning this game printing these pictures putting this thing together to play this game on zoom not even 2 minutes in they were like the kids were not having it. They were like, nah. <laughs> they were over it. And the parents are there. And the, the pressure I feel, especially knowing that the parents in the background, like it's so much more pressure than mm. I'm used to working. I'm used to being with kids all day. And I will, I will act, not act a fool, but you know, I'll do my voices. I'll do my dancing yeah. and I will be fine with it. But now I know, like I'm recording myself doing this stuff, knowing what it would look like to anyone, knowing these parents <laughs> are seeing me do this. Like it takes yeah. It takes a lot that adds another that. layer too it adds another know. layer yeah. to your job too especially yeah. if you're not like I think with with I think a lot of people can relate to that you know and I think more people and parents and everyone needs to put we need to empathize more and just like put ourselves in that shoe in yeah. other people's shoes like especially if like you're again you're not used to it and then mm-hmm. I always find myself too I find myself being different around kids because you're not they're not judging you you know yeah <laughs> Well, you can make them laugh and like yeah. you know you like you said you can act a fool like you can just you know do funny voices versus like <laughs> with a grown person and you're just mm-hmm. like okay and they like, just think I'm touched. acting like a child I'm like no I'm connecting to your child it's it's interesting but yeah just understanding being ready to adapt and be flexible flexibility is so key right now yeah right like, even I'm talking about being flexible um I know that you're going back into the classroom on Monday so how do you feel about that and how how do the parents feel how do the kids feel um the parents are well it's two parents there's one set of parents are very excited like they just want it they want us to be in school today and Mm -hmm. there's the others that have their concerns um but like what I liked we went to school already for a week and that week of being in school together before things were really bad here set the tone for me to be able to have such success with my virtual learning. Like I was able to establish connections with the kids. Cause like yeah. I have a couple new, some of my kids are returning and some are new. I'm like, I can't just pop on. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm going to be like, I meeting them was so crucial and just learning a little bit about them and having them meet each other and talk to each other and feel comfortable again. Like that was a great way to go into our virtual but, you know, it's just a lot of the switching back and forth. Like, I've finally gotten used to this, and now I'm switching back to in-school. And then, you know, it's kind of like it's a lot of starting over. And the school year, you kind of always want to get through your first three weeks, four weeks, because, you know, it's hard. It's the adjusting week. So it's a lot of having to readjust. Mm-hmm. So that part is, is challenging. Like, I'd rather just, you know, do one thing for a consistent amount of time and then switch. Like, I prefer being with the kids, obviously. It's just, it's a lot of work every time starting over and like getting ready to welcome them back and have them feel comfortable again. So it's positive and challenging at the same time. Yeah. Excited to see their faces. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting too, especially because I feel like, I mean, again, how everything is going here in the Virgin Islands and here in the States, like it's not a one size fits all situation. So, I mean, everyone, you know, every 
uh, state, city, everyone is basically, even within the state, every city, every county is doing like their own thing and what they see best. So I feel like we're going to probably find this more throughout the year that if someone yeah. decides like, okay, no, we're reopening and like get back in, you know, they're going to have yeah. to adjust to those challenges as well. Yeah. Or if they're like, okay, let's go back to virtual, you know, yeah. it's going to so. be good. Um, in your opinion, what are some of the benefits of online and virtual learning? Do you see any with so, your age group? I, well, yeah, the benefits are the fact that like the parents do get a little, well, we get a glimpse into each other's lives kind of, not in an intrusive way, just like you get more of an appreciation and like the parents are, they're forced to take steps that they didn't have to take before. Like I pretty much, I give them the materials and it's like, now you have to work with your child through this. Like there's just some things that they have to do now and that they have to have the patience for and understand and just seeing how I am with the group. Like they don't really get to witness me controlling mm -hmm. and, um, you know, teaching a lesson and entertaining a group of children. And now they have like a first class seat. So I'm hoping for everyone, for all teachers that this is like, that it could be a curve into, you know, just more appreciation or value placed on the job. And same thing, with me, like I've had, I've had to learn more about my parents' situations, you know, what they have access to, what they don't. And it gives me a better understanding for my expectations for the kids. Yeah. Um, but help, it's just, we have to do our part to help each other. And that's like the main thing, but um, yeah. Yeah. We're all in this together, but <laughs> Brittany, wow. Thank you. You're um this has been very insightful and I think yeah. it's going to be very beneficial for everyone listening. And even just like myself too, just again, yeah. being more mindful of when I am around kids during mm -hmm. that age. And, um, I always, um, you know, have talked to you, especially with like, what are some, or like, what are some activities that like people look at? Like, I think you, you were telling me earlier this year with like blocks and stuff and like, mm -hmm. you know, um, having them, like if there's a heart shape and, you know, they have to put it in through the heart shape, like what that yep. does mentally. And I think yeah. just being more aware of that stuff is like really good, yeah. especially as a parent or if you're babysitting or whatever it is, you're volunteering yeah. because um, it's not, it is playtime, but at the same time, they're building those skills. Well, I mean, playtime is learning time and it's, it's not even to be separated. That is what it is. And it is the top way that your child will learn. Mm -hmm. And I, you were asking for activities and I kind of prepped you for it, but I didn't give any, but math, science, it's like find the math and the science in the world around you. Don't sit down and make them write their numbers. Have them go on a scavenger hunt for numbers numbers for letters like that's your, if you needed a top activity to do during this time mm. scavenger hunts is like my go-to whether I'm teaching um we were teaching the five senses so find some and you can create it or you can just verbally say it find something that feels soft find something that looks big and whether it's outside or inside just use what's around you to teach them or you not you might not even know that you're having a teaching moment but like cooking with your child that's your top math and science activity right there mm. before anything else. Have them cook with you. So that, that would be my suggestion for activities. Cooking, planting, baking, arts and crafts, and games. Thank you so much for yes, being here you. with us. Um, 
you know, if you, if you are comfortable, you can also like let, you know, people know if they, if they need activities or help or just like, you know, wait, what was that website that you suggested? Um, teachingmama.org and mama is M-A-M-A. Okay. Um, so teachingmama.org. We'll we can post those as yeah. well yeah, um, you should post on our that. social and stuff. And there's a podcast, Wow in the World. That's like a top suggestion for kids. Wow in oh, the okay. World. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's well, a really good one. Hello. Thank you. We're so proud of you. Um, yes, we and are. And at the same time, too, like, uh, this is amazing. <laughs> thank you for, for all you do, you know, and the service that you provide. Because you are, you are an essential worker. Yes, you are. Thank you very much. Thank and you. Teachers for don't get student. enough credit. They don't. Or pay. <laughs> or pay for time. <laughs> that part. We gotta advocate. That's a topic for another time. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Talk That Talk Uncensored with Joyce and Britt. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms. See you next week. <laughs>